0: Are appreciative of those that are giving their artistic gifts uh, to help us worship? Amen. <laughs> grateful. Very grateful. And yes, we are here on Resurrection Sunday. And this is a day that is celebrated all around the world. And every Sunday that this happens, you can just feel the energy in the air. We get to celebrate something that's so profound, so amazing. And when you think about Jesus and his death, and you think about his resurrection, there's so much that could be discussed, and through the years on Easter Sunday, we've talked about it, and we've talked about how that tomb was empty, and the only rational, real reason that it was empty is because God rose him from the dead. It had nothing to do with somebody stealing his body or anything like that. God raised a dead man to life, and that dead man wasn't just a normal, moral teacher, not just a good person. He was the living son of God, and God raised him from the grave. And and this is the day to celebrate and and to look back at that moment that changed the world. But the the thing is, is I think we shouldn't just look back at that moment and just go, wow, that was amazing. We need to realize that that moment should affect us right now. It should have an effect on our lives today. And, And I hope that in the short time that we have in the scriptures this morning that you can reflect on how, yes, Jesus rose from the dead. And that was a miracle of God. But also, there are other ways to experience resurrection. You don't have to wait until you die. Okay? You don't have to wait until you breathe your last breath. Resurrection is just a few decisions away. That's what Easter Sunday should remind us of. The resurrection is not just a one-time thing for your life. It's available for us even before we take our last breath. And so I've been thinking about this as we've been going through our series on on really drawing near to God and and really the grace of God, that kindness, that, that goodwill, the favor of God, whether we deserve it or not, just the heart of God. We've been focusing there. And I wanted to take the time this morning to, how do we, how do we look at the, the resurrection of Jesus and how do we understand the grace of God? And, and we're going to talk about that this morning. So please join me in prayer. Father, we, we are amazed at how Jesus lived his life. We are grateful that he was able to live the life we could never live, Father. That he was fully obedient to you. It's hard for us to be obedient for 30 minutes sometimes, Lord. But Jesus lived an entire life, surrendered to you. He fought, though. He was tempted, but he did it. And he took on his, his body, the, the sin. He took on the penalty of sin, the punishment of sin. He took on the, the, the worst that the world had to offer, betrayal, greed, lust, anger, murder. He took it upon himself, took it on that cross, Father. But death didn't win. And he was able to rise again. And we are grateful for that truth. It's the bedrock of our faith. And God, help us to see that that wasn't just a one-time event for just one person. That we can experience resurrection too, Father. And I pray that you can move our hearts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the song we just sang... I got got the the word that we were doing it, and Chase sent me the information and and Sherwin. And and there was this one lyric at at the very end, you know, that's really helpful. You know, when it it talks about how, how God chased down my heart, you ever felt that from God, you know? I hope we can feel that relentless chasing down that God has for us. Through all my failure and pride, on a hill you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die but i can see your heart eight billion different ways all the people in this world every precious one a child you died to save everyone is precious to god you're the one who never leaves the one behind and i kept thinking about that that's the heart of god he doesn't want one of us left behind Left in our sin, left in our confusion, left in our anxiety, left in our worry. He doesn't want us left there. The God that we serve, his heart is every person, even the people that you think aren't good. Because, of course, all of us are good. We think of ourselves as as great. It's everybody else that has a problem. Uh, No, we all are messed up. But God, his heart is every person. It's valuable to him. Every single person. And he is the one who never leaves the one behind. Because when we think about our lives, come on, let's be honest. I mean, the Bible is true. We don't need to be reminded, do we? You know, we don't deserve anything good. Look at Isaiah. The arm of the Lord is not too weak to save you. That's not the problem. You know what the problem is? It's our sins have separated us from God. Okay, Romans tells us, right, all have sinned, every single one of us, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can claim, oh, I grew up in a Christian home or, oh, no, you didn't. You, you could have grown up in a Christian home. That doesn't mean that you're just good to go. We're all sinners. And this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which all of us are. So let's just get that out of the way. I don't care who you are. You might come to church just Christmas and Easter. You know what? You're a sinner. You might come every Sunday. You're still a sinner. We need Jesus. Let's just, let's just get that straight up, okay? And so the problem is, well, then why should God care about us? <laughs> why should God care? Because if we're all messed up, why didn't he just kick us to the curb? So what's the heart of God? What is that heart? And that heart is found in one of the most popular scriptures, right? Is that instead of just kicking us to the curb, God loved us so much that he sent his son for us. That's how much he loves us. God sent his son for us so that everyone who believes will not perish and have eternal life. That's the heart of God. Instead of condemning us as sinners, he sends Jesus Not just to judge. That that wasn't what he was sent his life to do, was not just to judge us in that moment. He was living his life among people to show us how to be saved. That's what Jesus came to do. So amen for the heart of God. He didn't just kick us to the curb. We love this scripture. Amen all over the place. The next one, not so much. (laughs) Because right after that passage, John reminds us, well, you know, here's the deal. (laughs) Here's the verdict, okay? You know, light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. God calls it like it is. You say, Jeff, I thought we were talking about grace. Look, Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's willing to give favor. He's willing to have that loving kindness. But he's going to tell you the truth. The truth is he brought light to the world. He brought righteousness to the world. He brought humility to the world. And look what happened to him. Because men love darkness. You and I, we love darkness. We love it. We don't want our evil deeds to come to the light. So guess what? Instead of drawing near to God, we run away from him. And then we start liking our sin, and we start justifying our lives and our sin, and that's who we are. And we don't want to come into the light. That's our challenge. That's the verdict. That's all of us are under, the, under this sentence. Sin is real. Darkness is real. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We have to agree with God that we're messed up and that we need him. Because here's the deal. Some of us struggle. You know, I told one of the brothers who's been a Christian forever. told him about the, the sermons coming up. And he was asking me what's coming up. I said, yeah, we're going to talk about how much, you know, how much God values you, you, know? Do you. And he said, you know, I'm about to cry right now on the phone. He said, I, I don't, it's hard for me to understand that God really values me. That he cares about me. And, and, and I want to share a story with you. I didn't make it up. But I think you'll figure out what it is. You're a pretty sharp crowd. But I just want you to see that this is the heart of God. Because you've heard, you've heard this before. But sometimes if I just read it from the Bible, you get, you've heard it so many times you'll just blow over it. But just follow me on this one. A young girl grows up on a farm just above Valdosta, Georgia. Her parents, a bit old-fashioned, tend to overreact to her nose ring, the music she listens to, and the friends she hangs out with. Her parents can't stomach her political views and are anxious when she expresses her questions about her own sexual orientation. So they get stuck in a pattern of arguments that end up getting her grounded and with all people involved frustrated, angry, and exhausted. I hate you, she screams at her father when he knocks on the door. After a particularly heated exchange, she plans on something she has mentally rehearsed scores of times. She runs away. She's visited Miami only once before on a bus trip with her church youth group to help clean up after a hurricane. Because the news consistently reports in lurid detail the gangs, drugs, and violence in downtown Miami, she concludes that it's probably the last place her old-fashioned parents will look for her. Atlanta, maybe, but not South Beach. Her second day there, she meets a man who drives the biggest car she's ever seen. He offers her a ride, buys her lunch, arranges a place for her to stay. He gives her some pills that make her feel less anxious. And she feels better than she's ever felt before. She was right on all along, she decides. Her parents were keeping her from all the fun. And the good life continues for a month, I mean, two months, a year. The man with the big car, she calls him boss. He teaches her a few things that men like. Since she's underage, men pay a premium for her. She lives in a penthouse and orders room service whenever she wants. Occasionally, she thinks about the folks back home, but their lives now seem so boring that she can hardly believe she grew up there. After a year, the first signs of illness appear, and it amazes her how fast the boss turns mean. These days, we can't mess around, he growls, and before she knows it, she's out on the street without a penny to her name. And when winter blows in, she finds herself sleeping on metal grates outside of big department stores. Sleeping is the wrong word. A teenage girl at night in South Beach can never relax her guard. Dark bands circle her eyes, her cough worsens. And one night, as she lies awake, listening for footsteps, all of a sudden, everything about her life looks different. She no longer feels like a woman of the world. She feels like a little girl. Lost in a cold and frightening city, she begins to whimper. Her pockets are empty. She's hungry. She needs a fix. She pulls her legs tight underneath her and shivers under the newspaper. She's piled atop her coat. Something jolts a synapse of memory and a single image fills her mind. Of May in Valdosta, when the Lowndes County Fair opens. And the smell of corn dogs and popcorn is more intoxicating than any drug she ever took. And how afterwards the whole family would sit on the porch and make fun of the one who was the most scared on the rides and laugh all into the night. Gosh, why did I leave? She says to herself, and pain stabs at her heart. My dog back home eats better than I do now. She's sobbing. And she knows in a flash that more than anything else in the world, she wants to go home. It takes her about a month, but she was determined to scrounge up enough for a bus ticket back home. Three straight phone calls, three straight connections with voicemail. She hangs up without leaving a message the first two times. But the third time, she says, Dad, Mom, it's me. I was wondering about maybe coming home. I'm catching a bus up your way. It'll get there about midnight tomorrow. If you're not there, well, I I guess I'll find a way to move on with my life somewhere else. It takes about nine hours for a bus to make all the stops between Miami and Valdosta. And during that time, she realizes the flaws in her plan. What if her parents are out of town? They just missed the message. Shouldn't she have waited another day or week until she could really talk to them? And even if if they're home, they probably wrote her off as dead long ago. She should have given them some time to overcome the shock of her calling. Her thoughts bounce back and forth between those worries and the speech she's preparing for her father. Dad, I'm sorry. I know I was wrong. It's not your fault. It's all mine. Dad, can you forgive me? She says the words over and over, her throat tightening even as she rehearses them. She hadn't apologized to anyone in years. The bus has been driving with lights on since Lake City. She's forgotten how dark it gets at night out here. A deer darts across the road, and the bus swerves, and every so often, a sign posting the mileage to Valdosta. Oh, gosh. When the bus finally rolls into the station, its air brakes hissing, the driver announces in a crackly voice over the microphone, 15 minutes, folks, that's all we have here. 15 minutes to decide her life. She checks herself in a compact mirror, smooths her hair, licks the lipstick off her teeth, She looks at the tobacco stains on her fingertips and wonders if her parents will notice if they're there. She walks into the terminal, not knowing what to expect. And not one of the thousand scenes that have played out in her mind prepare her for what she sees. There, in the concrete walls and plastic chairs, bus terminal in Valdosta, Georgia, stands a group of 40 family members brothers and sisters and great-aunts and uncles and cousins and a grandmother and great-grandmother to boot. They're all wearing ridiculous-looking party hats and blowing noisemakers. And taped across the entire wall of the terminal is a huge banner that reads, Welcome Home. Out of the crowd of well-wishers, breaks her dad she looks through the tears and begins the memorized speech dad I'm sorry I know he interrupts her hush child we got no time for that no time for apologies you'll be late for the party a banquet is waiting for you at home you ever heard that before That's the heart of God towards us, even when we mess up. And you know, in Luke 15, where this story is adapted from, do you know the language that's used in Luke 15 from the Bible when this plays out, when the father is is talking to the older son? Do You know what he tells the older son who doesn't want to go to the party, right? You know what he tells him? He tells him these words. He says, son, you know, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was what he was dead and he's come back to life that's resurrection language people and that's where some of you are right now you've been living your life so far from from god You might come here because you feel some weird obligation. It is Easter after all to kind of come to church. And maybe you feel like, well, I made some, I did something when I was like eight years old at some church, you know, but you haven't really walked with God since that decision, whatever it was. Maybe you prayed a prayer. Maybe you got baptized. I don't know what happened. It happened to me just so you know, I'm not judging you. Trust me. I've been there. When you do something just because you think you're supposed to do it, when you're young and you don't really know what you're doing, but really look at your life. And some of you are in this spot. You're where that girl was. It might not be the exact scenario, but you know when you have those quiet moments to yourself, you know, this ain't how I'm supposed to live. And it's just you're just one decision away from your own resurrection, from your own moment where you can just start turning back and walking towards God. This is the type of resurrection that you don't have to wait until your last breath for. This is how God, how awesome God is. You know what? We're going to experience something in a few minutes. We're going to experience something really powerful. Somebody has already chosen to start walking towards God, right? They realize what happened, and they're going to get baptized, right? Guess what? Guess what? That's another example of how you don't have to wait until your dying breath to experience a resurrection or when Jesus comes back. You know what? You know what the Bible says baptism is? You know what the Bible says? Romans 6, we've been buried with him through baptism into what? Into death. Baptism isn't just some, oh, yeah, I guess you can just do it whenever. No, the, this, is, this is scripture. You're buried with Jesus in the baptism, right, through, through baptism the death. In order just that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Hello? Resurrection language, people. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. That's through baptism. That's what's going to happen. You're going to see somebody. A spiritual transaction is happening. It's not just a religious rite that's really good to do. No, it's a resurrection. They walk into that water a dead person. And they come out cleansed of their sin the Holy Spirit indwells them and they are given a new life they don't have to wait till they die for Jesus to come back to experience that resurrection and some of you need that right now some of you need that exact process take a step toward Jesus get on that bus and head toward Valdosta <laughs> and when you get there embrace it God does, God's, he loves you Get open with your life at some point, great. But he just loves you. And he wants you to experience a a resurrection to go from death to life. Amen? But what about you old heads? I've been in the church. I know know all of this stuff. All right? Amen. Then I'm just going to remind you of something that needs to inspire you. Because, you know what, Paul said, hey, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Because some people believe that, right? Oh, that's just hogwash, fairy tale stuff. Might as well read about King Arthur and all that stuff to why you at it. Puffed the magic dragon and Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, well, Paul said, well, you know, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, you know what, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. You're still in Miami with no reconciliation with the Father. If, there, if, if, if people can't be, you know, raised from the dead, then we shouldn't have shown up here. We could have been sleeping, hanging out. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ, you know what, they're lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, you know, to live good and, and, and obey and surrender and love enemies, and if it's all a hoax, man, we, we should be the most pitied people in the world. We just wasted our life for nothing. But in fact, say that word, fact. Okay, that's what the resurrection is, a fact. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, Adam and Eve sinned, messed everything up. But if you'd been there, you'd have messed everything up too. Stop judging. It could have said your name right there. If you'd been the first person, your name would have been right there. Right? Right? Everyone dies because we all belong to the first people, right? But everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And you don't have to wait, right? But there is an order to this resurrection, okay, because God's a God of order. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all belong, who belong to Christ will be raised when, when? When he comes back. Has he come back yet. Not yet. Not yet. He hasn't come back yet, but when he does, woo, we're going to be raised. And if that don't make sense to you, here you go. Remember this song that Chase just sang? And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappeared. Praise God to that. Yeah. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. Come on. I don't know where you're going to be in 89 years. 107 years 211 years I'm pretty sure we're going to be right up in there Underneath something Or you might be on some urn In like your great 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 grandson's Living room Who knows I don't know But we ain't going to be around forever Somebody going to end up in a grave You might get cremated I don't know But here's what I love about Resurrection Sunday (laughs) I can tell you what Y'all might end up at my funeral. I'll be buried and all that stuff. But someday when Jesus come back and he he come back, guess what I'm doing? I'm walking out that grave. I'm walking straight up out that grave. I'm walking out. Death can't keep me down. That's the faith that we have. Jesus is the first one. He showed us the way. That's the point. Jesus showed us what, what God does for us. So let's keep following him. Follow him in this lifetime. And guess what? You get to experience a resurrection even before you die. That's powerful. That's beautiful. But then when you die, like all of us do, have you ever met someone that didn't die? No, everybody dies. We die. But then Jesus says, hey, I got this. Just like I showed you before, I got this. When I come back, you're going to be, walk out the grave. We're going to walk out the grave. That fires me up. He so said, Jeff, this is religious mumbo jumbo. Okay. We die. We have a funeral. Jesus comes back. We walk out the grave. Death loses. We win. Hallelujah. Do you understand? That's the point of the sermon, right? You know, what I mean? That's what it means. That's Easter. And that's what we can celebrate. And I'm looking forward to watching the baptisms today. And I'm also looking forward to those of you who are still involved. You're still in Miami, right? I'm looking forward to some of you just making that decision, saying, you know what? I don't need to get my life straight. I just need to head straight for God. How do you do that? Whoever invited you out, have a cup of coffee and ask them, how did you experience that resurrection that that preacher was talking about? Why wake up early to come to church on Easter Sunday if you're not going to actually experience the resurrection? Don't waste your time here. Get together with somebody. Open up the scriptures and open up your heart. Right now, we're going to pray for the Lord's Supper. Father, I just pray that we can be moved by Jesus and his example and be inspired to experience resurrection. And Father, I pray that right now as we take the bread that represents Jesus' body and the the juice that represents his blood, that we will celebrate his resurrection and be grateful for your grace that you've prepared a way for us. We pray in his name, amen. Amen.